You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, it is our first preview show of the 2022 season. The Eagles taking on the Lions this Sunday afternoon, and I'm going to be talking with Jeremy Reisman from the SB Nation site, Pride of Detroit, so we can get an eye on the enemy, figure out what's going on with the Lions as we enter a brand new season with brand new teams, and obviously the Eagles coming off a big win against Detroit last year that turned their season around. Will it have any effect on what happens on Sunday afternoon? We're going to talk to Jeremy about an improving Lions team, a Lions team that I think can make the playoffs this year. Speaking of which, I'm going to give you my 2022 NFL predictions coming up at the end of the show. I'll also talk a little bit about the Thursday night football game, the first game of the NFL season between the Buffalo Bills and the Rams. Boy, did the Bills look legit or what? And I'll give you my prediction on this weekend's Eagles-Lions game. That's all coming up here on a stacked edition of of Eye on the Enemy. Joining me to help break down this week's matchup between the Birds and the Detroit Lions here on week one as both these teams looking to get their season started off on the right foot is Jeremy Reisman. He's the producer of the SB Nation Lions site Pride of Detroit. We talked to Jeremy last year uh, ahead of I think uh, what was a key game for both teams last season after the, the Eagles were, were really struggling and uh, went into Detroit looking like their coach might not survive the season but uh, ended up leaving Detroit with a 44 to six win uh but uh really both teams on the way up here i think as as we enter the season jeremy thanks so much for coming on eye on the enemy how are you i'm doing well john until you brought up that game i was doing great <laughs> <laughs> right and I, but I really do think that that was kind of a turning point for both teams. Yeah. I mean, that was the game where it really did look like from an Eagles perspective that Nick Sirianni was a one and done coach. That was the the week the week leading up to that was when he made the the comments that everybody started making fun of him for. And I've got to say, I was probably I was one of them where he talked about letting the letting the flowers bloom and all the works being done under the soil and all that. And uh, and then they come out and they just demolished the Lions that week. But I know that it was also kind of a, a, a key week for the Lions season last year because right last year Detroit played pretty much everybody tight there there wasn't a, there weren't many games where they got blown out or they were outclassed on the field but the Philadelphia game was one of them so can you just kind of talk about what's maybe what's different between where the Lions were last year and where they are right now coming into week one against the same Eagles team. Yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it that it was a, a turning point for the Lions. You know, they, they had the bye week right after that and they had to, to, to think long and hard about what they were going to do about the, the team because they were, what uh, you know, 0-7, 0-8 at the time. Um, and, and so one of the major moves that they made was basically demoting Anthony Lynn from offensive coordinator and having Dan Campbell take over offensive play calling. And really, the offense made a pretty significant turnaround in, in the second half. And I think it can go back to that decision. Um, they also got Josh Reynolds uh, as a waiver claim about halfway through the season. They also got Taylor Decker back, who had been injured. Um, you know, in this last matchup, the Lions didn't have Taylor Decker 
or Frank Ragnow, which uh, seems like a, we might have a repeat performance of it in, in some variation. And I'm sure we'll get to that later. But um, yeah. yeah, the the offense really had a spark to, down the second half of the season. You know, Jared Goff went three and one in his last four starts. He had a, a, a passer rating of about 101, 104 or something like that in his final uh, five starts of the season. And really that momentum is kind of carried over into the off season with the lines, you know, adding DJ Chark um, to the receiving core. Obviously Jamison Williams is, is added down the line once he's healthy. Um, but then the promotion of Ben Johnson to offensive coordinator too, is, is a guy who I think is just, he just gets along a little bit better with Jared Goff. He has a little more chemistry there. He understands um, when he needs to include Jared Goff in, in the game planning. And, and they're really bringing back a lot of the Ram schemes of going heavy on the play action, things like that. Um, to really spark this this offense to to be what it you know what it could have been last year and what it should be this year. So I guess the question around the Lions and really around every team is the quarterback. Jared Goff is a guy who, when he was with the Rams, had some good seasons, but struggled for much of last year with Detroit. But like you mentioned, seemed to play pretty well over the last month of the season. How confident are the Lions that he'll be able to pick up where he left off and and be one of the one of the better quarterbacks, or at least be a winning quarterback in the NFC North this year? Well, if you ask the Lions, the Lions seem pretty confident in it. Um, and and to be fair, he does look like a completely different quarterback than he did at this point last year now last year he didn't have a, a good receiving core at all um you know Brashad Perriman and and um was was going to be one of the top two wide receivers on the team going in and he didn't even end up making the team out of training camp. Right. um and and I'm honor I wasn't what he was and and all that so um definitely has a, a better supporting cast and I think that alone is going to help him a lot. Um, obviously the offensive line being as what it should be, um, given right. that it was expected to be a top five, top 10 unit. Um, that was another kind of like, okay, well, we're, we're giving you all you need, Jared Goff. What, what, what else could you possibly ask for? And the, the other thing he could possibly ask for is inclusion in, in game planning and, and scheme developing. And they gave him that too. So really, you know, he, he, he has looked he's, like he's had some ownership of this offense. He's been really good in training camp. Unfortunately, we've only really seen him in one drive in the preseason. So, you know, the bullets aren't flying yet, right? And I think the biggest concern with a guy like Jared Goff is, is how will he will handle pressure, how he will, you know, both literal pressure and kind of the mental pressure, right? And um, we, we just haven't seen that yet. And I think, you know, with a guy who's not particularly mobile, the guy who doesn't really play well off structure, that's my biggest concern with him going into the season because otherwise everything does look significantly better. So I was going to say, offensively speaking, what is this team's strength? What is it you anticipate this team will be able to do really well coming into the season? And I guess specifically uh, this week against uh, an Eagles defense, which I, I still don't think we know exactly what Jonathan Gannon's going to run out there. How much, you know, four, three, three, right. four hybrid, all these different kinds of things. It's still for Eagles fans, even kind of a mystery of what we're going to see. And I got to imagine that's a little bit difficult for Lions offensive coaches to game plan for. Uh, no question. I mean, week one's always kind of a mystery there. And so it's always kind of a yeah. guessing game and and with both teams I think looking so much different and so much improved from that matchup last year it, it, it it's going to take at least a half I think for each team to, to feel each other out but in terms of what the Lions want to do offensively it's 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 run the ball like they they kind of want to have that identity I think they have a, a lot of high hopes for someone like DeAndre Swift and I know I keep going back to it but the offensive line is is such a key piece to this puzzle because they have three first round picks on it um, they, they, mm -hmm. they've spent so much resources in free agency and in the draft in it and 
so the, you know the, they went into this week i think feeling really confident about where they were there and the, then obviously halapuli vati vati goes on ir and and now mm-hmm. frank ragnos um you know dealing with a groin injury missed thursday's practice we'll, we'll see if he plays or not but um it, it does feel like the house of cards is already starting to shake a little bit here but uh mm-hmm. but the, the hope is that that you know, solid running game opens up the deep passing game. Cause that's the one thing that they were really, really missing last year. Jared Goff just kind of refused to push the ball downfield. And now with the emergence of Amon Ra to be a threat over the middle, the addition of DJ Chark and, and Josh Reynolds having another year in this offense, they, they really do believe they have some downfield threats there and, and really they can detect any part of the field because they, they, you know, Deandre Swift is also a weapon. They haven't even mentioned TJ Hawkinson, who's also a, you know, a weapon over the middle. So that, I think they think they can kind of dictate how the defense plays them, and, and it all starts up front with that running game. It'll be interesting to see whether or not this Eagles defense, which which has added a lot of pieces over the course of the offseason, getting James Bradbury to solidify the the cornerback situation, just getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson over the last uh, week and a half or so to to help out the safety room and, and these linebackers that uh, draft Nicobe Dean and you, you have Kaiser White. I mean, it does seem to be like a much improved defensive unit. Um, and it, We'll see exactly what it looks like uh, come week one, what Jonathan Gannon chooses to do with it. Let's flip the ball and uh, let's talk about uh, the the Lions defense. And I always want to get other people's opinions on Jalen Hurts to, to start off things because he's the key for what the Eagles are going to do offensively. Obviously, last year, the, the Eagles went into Detroit with a passing game that was struggling mightily. And so they just put it on the shelf against the Lions and had an unbelievable amount of success running the football against Detroit um, and, and returning much of the same cast. The Eagles offensive line is still among the best in the league, if not the best offensive line in football. And uh, they have Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell and Jalen Hurts, who can, who can run the football. And we're not sure as Eagles fans exactly what we're going to see in terms of play calling and whether or not they're going to stick to a run heavy script. It doesn't seem like they want to given the additions offensively that they've made with AJ Brown. And um, so I guess my question to you is how does this lion's def- defense attack Jalen hurts? Do they, do they dare him to throw the football against them? It's uh, a good question. I, I think their focus first is definitely going to be on stopping the run, right? Like they, they, they just got gashed for what a you know 240 yards or whatever it was in the last matchup and you know defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn said it himself like they kind of expect the Eagles to do the same thing because why wouldn't you if it worked and and listen the Lions defense should be improved but it's not going to be good this year and so mm-hmm. when it comes to Jalen Hurts specifically you know the lines know that they can't be completely passive. And, and I think part of it is, is just what you mentioned. They've added AJ Brown, which, which gives them a downfield threat, which gives them brilliant all over the field threat. And, you know, I think Jalen Hurts still certainly has to prove himself as a passer in this league, but um, you, you know, with a mobile quarterback like that, even if you just kind of like sit back and you try to contain him in the pocket, he's such a, a versatile weapon that, that he'll, he'll find an opening eventually. And so the lines are going to want to make him uncomfortable and, and, you know, you, you can interpret that in any sort of way, whether it means they're going to be really aggressive and send some blitzes or, or whatever. But I think that's their number one key this week is just to make him uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean just collapsing a pocket around him slowly. It means attacking him. And so I, I expect the lines to be a little aggressive, maybe more than you'd expect against Jalen Hurts this week. Is Jalen Hurts a good quarterback? <laughs> oh, man, that, that's a tough question for me to answer, especially since I feel like my opinion is, is heavily influenced by by one Brandon Lee Gowden, who who I talk to a lot about this topic specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, I think he's a good weapon. I'm not sure if he's a good quarterback yet, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and listen, that's that's what you need on offense. If, if you can be a weapon, sure. I, I guess the question that, that he still very much has to answer, at least in my book, is, you know, if, if the Eagles are down six with, you know, 90 seconds left, can he be the kind of quarterback that, that wins those games, you know, even four out of six times, you know, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think you've you've really gotten a sample size of, of opportunities like that. So I, I'm, I'm still kind of putting him in like the like middle tier quarterback, maybe middle to low tier quarterback who still has a lot of potential. I mean, he's a really young guy, um, but he has a lot to prove, I think. So give me one matchup that the Lions absolutely have to win in this game in in order to in order to come out on the winning side here. Hmm. Yeah, I I, I think. I think the, the the place that they need to win the most is is right up the middle in the trenches, really on both sides of the ball. But since we talked enough on the offense, I'll, I'll say the defense there, because that's where I have the biggest questions uh, about the Lions defense right now. Um, you know, Levi Onzerike, their second round pick last year, was a guy that I think they expected to heavily contribute by now. And he's not going to play in this game with a back hip injury that's really been lingering since his rookie season. Um in his place, you know, you have Michael Brockers, a guy who's, who's the only guy over 30 years old on this team and, and is playing like that. Um, Ali McNeil is a guy who who does have a, a lot of hope around him. I'm, I'm sure Eagles fans remember what exactly happened with him on draft night. Um, it seems like the Eagles mm-hmm. really wanted him. Um, yeah. But uh, beyond that, it, it, it's it's a lot of question marks. You know, they, they had to kind of last minute find some nose tackles, um, added a couple guys like Isaiah Bugs in in during training camp. And then their second level of the defense is, is still very much a, a big question. The fact that sixth round draft pick Malcolm Rodriguez, who, you know, is a, a hard knock star. And, and to be fair, like he was playing outstanding in, in the preseason training camp. But the fact that he's staring down the barrel of being a, a week one starter really is a testament to that unit strengths overall. There's there's a lot of questions at the linebacker level. So stopping the Seagulls run defense, their run offense is, is, is key. And I think that might be where the Lions' weakness remains. So um, you know, they, 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 they changed their defensive scheme a little bit to be a little bit more attacking rather than kind of two gapping like they were last year. Um, but all of, all of those changes, all of those improvements remain theoretical at this point, And it's something I, I still have a pretty big concern of going into week one. So a couple other questions here for you before we wrap up. I, I think the Detroit Lions are going to be much improved this year, and I think they're going to be... Every year there's a couple of teams that missed the playoffs last year that end up making it. I, I think this is a Lions team that that can make the playoffs. I'm predicting them to get a wild card because I do think the NFC North is going to be a little bit weaker this year. I'm, I'm not a fan of Green Bay losing Devontae Adams, and I don't automatically think just because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback that they're going to be a great team. I know I'm in the minority on that, but uh, how do you see, and I, I think the Vikings are going to be a really good team this year too, but I, I think most people like what Dan Campbell's doing there in Detroit, and, and they get a vibe from this team that they played better than their record last year and, and are an up-and-coming team. Uh, what is the fan base in Detroit feeling about this team? Are they are they talking playoffs? Do you do you think this is a team that can make the playoffs? I think if all things go right, if they can stay relatively healthy, I think the the roster is competitive enough, and I really do believe that this is a really underrated coaching staff. And you know they did a good job of highlighting that during Hard Knocks. That I think they could play again above maybe what what the roster says. I mean, they finished last season three and three down the stretch, and and those weren't fluky wins either. Those were were well fought games. You know, they beat the Cardinals, they beat the pants off the Cardinals. Um, yeah, you know, a team that was definitely in the in the you know they made the playoffs. Um, so, right. so I think you know maybe by the end of last season they were playing more like a, a five or six win team, and so to expect them to to take a a couple more win jump 
this year, I think is, is realistic. You know, you add Aiden Hutchinson, uh, you add DJ Chark, you add a, a whole bunch of kind of Im- little improvements here and there. Um, and yeah, I think it can tally up to to a, a record rate around 500, maybe a little bit above 500, especially when you consider this is not a good division. Like you mentioned, it's not a, a tough schedule. I mean, the, the conference in general, the, the NFC does not look yeah. that strong. So you saw but, the Rams last night didn't look that yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's a better sign that the AFC is, is much better than the NFC, I think that Thursday night game was was a great highlighter of that. Um, so, yeah, I think they could certainly sneak into a wild card position. I don't expect them to really be, you know, a, a contender if they reach the, the postseason, I know anything can happen, but I think their roster just is not anywhere close where it needs to be to really challenge against some of the elite teams in this roster. I still them ha- still have them, you know, a year away from really being a true contender. But yeah, there, there are certainly people in Detroit that are starting to think like, maybe this is a year they can sneak in. And un- yeah. it, it's kind of a weird, you know, like limbo situation where you never really want to be in the middle of the league. You want to either be really good so that you're contending for championships or, or kind of bad so that you can mm-hmm. get good draft picks, especially since the Lions have two first-round picks going into next year um, and and a, a, a big question at quarterback right now. So I think some, you know, there, there's always kind of the small contingent of like, let's just tank so that we can get one more really good draft um, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and some consternation about being one of those middling teams, like an overperforming team. Like, well, what does that actually get you in, in 2022 if you're a, you know, nine and eight team and you, you get booted in the first round of the playoffs? Is that really good for the franchise? I would argue it. it is. I mean, going from three yeah. wins to nine wins. That that does a lot to just build some confidence inside the organization. But um, I think in general, most people are, are pretty kind of they understand the situation here where this is a team that, like I said, is still probably at least a year away from contending for a division title. Um, and so I, I think anything between that, like six to, to nine win range is, is probably realistic expectations for the team this year. I'll tell you what, as an Eagles fan that went from four wins to nine wins last year and made the playoffs, it, it absolutely was worth it because sports is supposed to be fun. And right. It was a lot of fun exactly. watching the team win football exactly. games. So, so there you go. All right. Last thing. Prediction for this Sunday afternoon, Eagles versus Lions. Do the Lions get revenge? I, I do not have them uh, getting to revenge. And it really, I, I, I was primed to even consider an upset here if, if the Lions offensive line was healthy, but man, if if Frank Ragnow doesn't play in this game, it, it's it's going to be devastating for I think I think an Eagles team that is just primed to exploit the middle of the Lions' offensive line with with all the talent they have on their defensive front. And if if the Lions can't get, I mean that's that's really the key to the entire team, right? Is is if if they can control the line of scrimmage on offense, they can do a lot of things that really affect both sides of the ball. And I just don't have a lot of confidence that the Lions can do it this week. So. I'm going to I'm going to give the Eagles we'll go 27 uh 20 uh Eagles this week. All right. Well, it should be a more competitive game and week 1 is always funky as you mentioned teams feeling themselves out. So, uh, we'll see exactly what happens on Sunday afternoon when these two teams hit the field in the Motor City. Folks, make sure you're checking out everything that Jeremy Reisman and the folks over at Pride of Detroit are doing by going over to Pride of Detroit and you can also check out Jeremy on his Twitter timeline at Detroit Online. Jeremy, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. No problem, John. Thanks for having me. And up next, I'm going to give you my predictions on the NFL season. I'll also talk a little bit about the Thursday night football game between the Bills and the Rams on uh, Thursday night. And I'll give you my Eagles prediction for this weekend as well. That's all coming up here on Eye on the Enemy. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. 
That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So let's talk a little bit about the Thursday night game from last night. Uh, the Buffalo Bills showing that the preseason hype over them, they're, they're my Super Bowl pick, you already know that. Uh, looks like they are legit. Uh, they went into Los Angeles and embarrassed the defending Super Bowl champions 31-10. to On the night, the Rams raised the banner for last year's Super Bowl victory. It just looked like the Rams were kind of sleepwalking throughout most of that game, and the Bills came out absolutely on the razor's edge. And the, the boy, I mean, it's just, the Bills didn't even play that well. They were sloppy. They had a number of turnovers. They had four turnovers in the game. And yet they still won by 21 points. Now, it also helped that the Rams had three turnovers of their own. So uh, that that definitely goes a long way. But the Rams only had 191 net passing yards. They were outgained by Buffalo 413 to 243. Uh, really, it was just the, the, a lot of the story was on third down conversions. Buffalo had much shorter third down conversion opportunities during the course of the game. So they went 9 of 10 on third down. The Rams were just 6 of 13 on third downs. And jo- Josh Allen looks abs- as if this was just yet another another game for him. He, it was all business, you know. He, you go into you go into L.A. and you watch them raise the banner, and the crowd is all hyped up, and and you and you figure that's going to give the Rams a little bit of juice. But but Josh Allen and the Bills, the the, the offense was just unbelievable. They didn't punt all game long. Uh, Josh Allen did throw two interceptions in the game, and yet had a 112 passer rating because he went 26 of 31 for 297 yards and three touchdowns on the night. Was sacked twice, but only lost five yards uh, with the, with those uh, sacks. And then he also rushed the 
ball 10 times for 56 yards, one of them for a touchdown, and a couple of those runs were just manly beast runs. The one stiff arm that he had as he was running along the far sideline for a first down in the third quarter, and then the touchdown run where he extended the ball over the plane of the goal, again, muscling a smaller defender, was was really something to watch. He was the leading rusher for the Bills last night. Singletary only had eight carries for 48 yards, and the, the Buffalo didn't really seem all that interested in trying to establish a running game at all. You had Stephon Diggs haul in eight of nine targets for 122 yards and a touchdown. Gabriel Davis uh, joined into the party with four catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. You had Jamison Crowder catching a few balls. Isaiah McKenzie uh, scored a touchdown for Buffalo. I I will say on the Rams side, Cooper Cup continues to do what Cooper Cup does. 13 catches, 13 catches on 15 targets for 128 yards and a touchdown. He remains Unbelievable. Uh, But uh, Tyler Higby, their number two receiver, only five catches on 11 targets for 39 yards for him. And Matthew Stafford just didn't look right for most of the game. 29 of 41 for 241, touchdown, three interceptions against a very good Buffalo defense that was in his face all night. Von Miller... Looks like he has been drinking from the fountain of youth. He looks like he was in his 20s, in his, in his mid to late 20s. He looks like he's still in his prime getting to the quarterback. Some of that could be the Rams' offensive line. You know, uh, it, it could be that they're not as strong up front as they were last year. Um, but I think we all know that this Buffalo defensive line is legit. Their safety tandem in the secondary is legit. Uh, it was interesting to see some of the um, some of the, the the usage in terms of running back usage last night. I know fantasy fans who have Cam Akers on their team were despondent when he got only three rushing attempts in the game for no yards. Daryl Henderson got. Most of the rushing attempts, 13 carries for 47 yards. But by the time the second half rolled around, um, it was pretty clear that uh, L.A. was going to need to put the ball in the air. And they just didn't have any answers for what Buffalo was doing to them. So I don't know if this speaks so much to the Rams and what their outlook for 2022 is. I definitely think it speaks to what Buffalo can do this year. They look legit. Josh Allen and Von Miller are ridiculous. Josh Allen looks like an MVP frontrunner at this point. I know I predicted it would be Justin Herbert, but Josh Allen keeps playing like that. It's going to be hard to give it to anybody else. But I think this Bills team is the most talented team they've had in franchise history. And I know they've had some talented teams. They they had Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, all those great teams from, from the 90s, those four straight Super Bowl teams. This team, and I think frankly, the quarterback, but you look at the team as a whole, offense and defense, I think this is the most talented roster the Bills may have ever had. So this is a squad that should be the top seed in the AFC. I mean, I know a lot of people are are picking the Chargers to maybe battle them for that, or there's a couple people out there I see picking the Chiefs to continue to to be strong enough to be the number one seed. I, I just, boy, the Bills went in, to the defending Super Bowl champs' house and put a beatdown on them while not playing their best, crispest, cleanest football. A lot of missed tackles from the Rams in the game. Um, and you wonder how much of that's going to be a factor here in these first couple of games with teams really not playing anybody during the preseason and having lighter training camp practices, uh, whether or not they, the the tackling won't be quite as good, quite as crisp. Something, quite as crisp. Something to watch in the Eagles-Lions game uh, on Sunday afternoon. You might see some more missed tackles from from the Eagles and from the Lions than maybe you'll see as the season moves along. But as far as the Rams go, 
You have to give them more than just one week. There, There is a potential Super Bowl hangover for the Rams. And Matthew Stafford, we know there's some questions about the health of his arm after uh, having a, an elbow procedure done during the offseason. Not a surgery, but an elbow procedure. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Are we talking acupuncture? Are we talking draining stuff from the elbow? I'm not exactly sure what, what that was, but... Uh, you're a little concerned about Stafford. You're a little concerned about that Super Bowl hangover. And you're concerned about that division because you do have some good teams in that division. I do think the 49ers are going to take a step back this year as they deal with some quarterback issues of their own. But that's still a very talented roster that many people think is a Super Bowl favorite. Uh, You've also got the Cardinals, who are decent. And you don't really, they're kind of a you know, talk about wild card. They are a wild card themselves. What's Kyler Murray going to give you in in the in the in the uh, NFC West? Where I mean, let's we'll go through the West here in just a minute. I'll just tell you this: I think the Rams are not as bad as they looked last night. I think the Bills are going to make a lot of teams look bad. I think they are inferior to Buffalo, and if they meet later in the season in the Super Bowl, the the game could end up going very similarly to this one. But week one is always weird. Some teams just don't come out ready. Buffalo lost week one last year and then played great the rest of the season. So it happens. Somebody had to lose that game last night. Uh, I think a lot of people picked the Bills to win that game last night. I just don't think we thought that the Rams offense would struggle as much as they did, that Jalen Ramsey would struggle in coverage as much as he did last night, and that the Bills would run away with that game as it went along. But an impressive showing by Buffalo last night in Los Angeles against the Rams. That'll take me to my NFL predictions for this season. Now, I gave you some bold predictions a, a couple of weeks back, so some of this will be a repeat of those. But here is my predicted standings for the NFC East. I have the Eagles winning the division at 12-5, and five, uh, the Commanders making the postseason as a wild card, finishing in second place going 9-8 and eight, with the Cowboys at 8-9 and nine, and the Giants at 5-12. and 12. In the NFC North, I have the Vikings winning the division at 11-6 with the Detroit Lions going 10-7. and seven. This year, I am more optimistic uh, than Jeremy is, but he's probably wise to tap the brakes a little bit. I've got the Packers at eight and nine, guys. And it's like I said in the Bold Predictions podcast, we have seen Aaron Rodgers have losing records with the Packers when the talent around him wasn't as great. I know they're going to focus on running the ball more. Is that is that going to work with Aaron Rodgers? I'm just and I know LaFleur can coach, man. LaFleur can absolutely coach. And if I'm overrating the Lions and the Vikings, I could very easily see the Packers winning 12 games this year. But I think this is a year the Packers take a step back. Their offseason just seemed hinky to me. All this talk about Aaron Rodgers leaving and the controversy surrounding him with the vaccine and all that last year and and losing Devontae Adams and not really replacing him with anybody, I I think that's going to hurt them. Without a number one receiver, I don't think Aaron Rodgers magically makes everything all better. And I think this is a season the Packers take a step back. I'm probably going to look stupid for picking the Lions over the Packers, but I'm I'm doing it. Packers in third place at 8-9, and nine, and I've got that, the Bears with the worst record in the NFC at 2-15. and 15. NFC South, I have the Buccaneers winning the division at 13-4, and four, and I think it's going to be a runaway for them. I've got them as the top seed in the NFC. With the Saints at 8-9, uh, I, I think I'm the low man on the Saints, seeing a lot of optimism around New Orleans, and I could, very, I could see that happening uh, with Jameis Winston. I, I've just never trusted Jameis Winston, but... He did become a more stable quarterback last year, so we'll have to see if that holds true. I think this is the worst division in the NFC because I have the Falcons at 5-12 and 12, and then the Panthers at 4-13. and 13. And in the NFC West, I've got the Rams winning the division. I'm not too scared off by what I saw on Thursday night. I've got them going 11-6 and six with the Cardinals in second 
at 9-8 and eight and making the postseason as the third wild card, the 49ers. One game back at 8-9, and nine and the Seahawks at 3-14. and 14. Again, I just... I'm not sure what Trey Lance is going to give them and the Jimmy Garoppolo thing with him sticking around. It's just creating a weird situation there in San Francisco. I think it could cause them to stumble here in the NFC West this year. So in the playoffs, the Vikings have the first, uh, the Vikings, the Buccaneers have the first round by at 13 and four. And so uh, I have the Eagles as the number two seed in the NFC this year. And so in the playoffs, I have the Eagles winning the wild card round over the Commanders. I've got the Rams as the three seed, winning their first round matchup over the Lions, and the Vikings as the four seed, beating the Saints, pardon me, beating the Cardinals uh, in the uh, in the first round of uh, the NFC playoffs. In the NFC divisional round, I've got the Bucks beating the Vikings, and I've got the Eagles over the Rams, which takes us to the NFC title game. And I would I would love to pick the Eagles over the Bucks. I just would. I, I and and things are 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 I think lining up so that the Eagles can do that, but. I don't want to get too high on the birds before we actually see them do it. And so how do you pick against Tom Brady in an NFC championship game over Jalen Hurts? I I can't do it. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay over Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. But hey, winning two playoff games and getting to the NFC title game sets you up pretty nicely for for 2023. That's That's a solid season for the birds. All right, over in the AFC, I have the Bills running away with the AFC East at 14 and 3. I got the Dolphins at 9 and 8, but missing the postseason. With the Patriots at 6 and 11 and the Jets at 6 and 11 as well. Patriots taking a step back this year. They don't have the talent this season. Uh, the AFC North, I've got the Ravens winning that division at 11 and 6. This is a tight division because I've got the Ravens at 11 and 6. I've got the Bengals going back to the playoffs at 10 and 7. They're going to have to break that Super Bowl loser curse, which has been less of a curse in recent seasons, but has traditionally it's been tough for a Super Bowl losing team to get back to the playoffs. But I think the Bengals will do it this year. And I think they'll go 10-7, and seven, finishing in second place behind the Ravens. I've got the Browns at 8-9. and nine. We'll see what happens with Jacoby Brissett starting the season. I like him as a backup. I don't know that he's a guy that you want to have for 11 games, but... Deshaun Watson will get in, get in there, and then we'll have to see what's left of the team when Watson becomes the starting quarterback. And then I've got the Steelers in last place at 7-10 and 10 as they try and work Kenny Pickett into the starting lineup, watching Mitch Trubisky start off the season. AFC South, I've got the Colts at 12-5, and 5, winning that division quite easily, actually, with Matt Ryan at quarterback. I think he's going to be your comeback player of the year, by the way. The Jaguars, I've got finishing in second place, making the postseason with Doug Peterson, fixing Trevor Lawrence. I think that's going to be one of the big storylines of the season. The Jags, I think Doug Peterson is going to fix Trevor Lawrence. That Jaguars team is going to be much improved. I'm going to say they go 10-7 and and finish in second place in the AFC South with the Titans at 9-8 and and the Texans in dead last with the worst record in the AFC at 2-15. And And then finally in the AFC West, I've got the Chargers at 14-3, tied with the Bills for the best record in the conference, but I do have the Bills as the number one seed. I'll have the Chiefs in second place at 11-5 as a playoff team with the Raiders, the hard luck Raiders, missing out on the playoffs um, with a record of 10-7 and the Broncos in last place, but a very competitive Broncos team 
at 8 and 9. And so in the playoffs, again, I've got the Bills as having the first round bye, the Chargers as the number uh, two seed. I have them beating the Jaguars in the first round of the playoffs. I've got the Colts over the Bengals, and then I've got the Chiefs on the road with an upset win over the Ravens, which takes us to the AFC Divisional round. I've got the Bills over the Chiefs in a rematch from last year. Uh, Bills finally get that revenge and uh, manage to overtake uh, Patrick Mahomes. Chargers over the Colts. And then uh, I've got the Bills over the Chargers in the AFC Championship game, which sets up a Bills-Buccaneers Super Bowl. Uh, and I've got the Bills finally winning their first Super Bowl title in franchise history, erasing the demons of those Bills 90s teams that got there four straight years and could not beat the NFC East. Luckily, I don't think for them they'll have to play an NFC East team, although it would be fun if the Eagles got into the Super Bowl and beat the Bills, completing the NFC East quadfecta? Is that what you'd call it? The, the <laughs> I don't know. But then every NFC East team would have beaten the Bills in the Super Bowl, and that would be that certainly would be a fun storyline for us here in Philadelphia, for sure. All right, on to my prediction for this Sunday afternoon, Eagles versus the Lions. As I look at the Detroit Lions roster, I, I see a much improved roster. The, this, this is a team coached by Dan Campbell that I think plays over its head. I think we saw that last year in all the close games that they've played, except for the game against the Eagles, and I certainly don't expect the Eagles to blow them out the way they did last year. I agree that I think the Eagles will win this game on Sunday afternoon. I think Jared Goff against uh, this Eagles defense is a mismatch. I'm very excited to see what Jonathan Gannon does with all of these new toys that he has, seeing Hassan Reddick get into the backfield, seeing Jordan Davis crashing the line, seeing what the linebackers can give you, and and watching this. I think the, the biggest advantage the, the Eagles have is this cornerback trio against the, the Lions wide receivers. I think Lions wide receivers are just missing a little something, and I think the Eagles secondary will be able to shut them down. Excited to see what uh, Gardner Johnson can bring at safety and what this is all going to look like. I'm very excited for the defense, and I, I think I, I think what we were talking about with Jeremy a few minutes ago with the Rams off with the uh, Lions offensive line could be a big problem with Brandon Graham back and Josh Sweat. Uh, those guys getting push up the middle, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. We'll see what, what each of those guys can do. We'll see what Milton Williams can do this season. I think he's going to have a much better year this year. If they can get to Jared Goff and get in his face, it could be an ugly game, but I think it will be a closer game as both of these teams are not real sure what the other team can do. Um, no real ability to game plan and get against what these teams have done. And I don't think much of what we saw last year is going to have an effect on, on what's done this year. Last year, we saw the Eagles commit to the running game against the Lions and run it all over them. You'll see some running, but I, I think you're going to see a real attempt by Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni to get the, get the passing game going, get A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith involved in the passing game, and then look to run the ball after you've built up a lead with the passing game. Uh, and you'll see Jalen Hurts design runs as well. That's, that's just got to be a staple of what they do. You'll see some RPOs. Just one of the things to watch is whether or not Jalen Hurts is able to do some of the things in games this year that he didn't do last year, and that's throw the ball over the middle of the field, hit those tight windows in between the numbers. That's where you're going to see a lot of A.J. Brown. That's where you're going to see a lot of Dallas Goddard. If, if, if on, you know, you're seeing a lot of third and sevens and they're still trying to complete the ball 15, 20 yards down the field outside the hash marks, this, this offense is going to struggle. It's going to be a problem the way it was last year. But I do think the Eagles have enough. I think this is a, a super talented Eagles team. I think this Eagles roster is more talented than the Lions. I think they'll come out ready to play. And, and I think I've got a similar score to Jeremy. I have the Eagles winning this one 27 
to 23. And folks, that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Jeremy Reisman once again for coming on the podcast and talking about the Detroit Lions ahead of this week's big game. Don't forget to continue to read BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest news, notes, and rumors and all of the info you could need heading up to Sunday afternoon. And we've got tons of great podcasts for you uh, to, to ingest everything you can about this Birds team on a weekly basis. And we will continue to give you a week-by-week preview of Eagles opponents throughout the season here on Eye on the Enemy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.